Hey, what's up, crew? Welcome to this live Q&A with Brandon Olson coming to us all the way from the Tustin location of the Path Bike Shop. Um, everybody, welcome. I know there's already a bunch of people in the chat. Hang on, I got to do something here. Gonna mute. Okay, so sorry, technical difficulties. Pop out chat and we're back. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know there's already a bunch of people watching, so I'm stoked on that. Um, let's do some introduction here. Uh, cool. Actually, a li little bit of house cleaning uh, before we get started. Hang on. Why does this do this? It does this like every time. Okay, cool. Okay. Now we're in. So before we go any further, before we even get started, can you hear me okay, Brandon? Yep. Okay. Uh, before we even get started, I want to make it clear that we will be answering a ton of suspension questions, but we are going to be I'm kind of theming them all together. I got a whole bunch of questions. Thanks, everybody, for sending me your questions. Um, uh, they all kind of fell into uh, several themes, and so we're basically going to cover those themes. If you have questions that you want to ask in the live chat, please hold them until I ask for them um, because we, I won't be watching the chat too much because Brandon has a ton of knowledge, a ton of suspension wisdom <laughs> as a as a mechanic of the path. And we're going to be kind of really getting into Brandon's brain today. So we're going to kind of leave it to that. And I know I did get a bunch of questions uh, about me personally, some questions about the Nomad. We're going to get into a little bit of that, but we're going to reserve most of our time for Brandon's thoughts. Um, Lone Ranger's in the house. What's up, Ryan? Thanks for being here. Actually, Ryan, I'm going to make you a... I'm going to make you a moderator cool okay brandon how are you sir how are you doing thanks for doing this i'm good how are you all uh, doing good man um brandon scroll uh, the chat really quick yeah hello yeah. everybody that's cool okay cool uh, there's a delay so it's kind of weird i don't want to do that anymore um yeah yeah <laughs> no I, i've had a, yeah, things are good today was a good day and beautiful mm -hmm. sunset i'm here at the path Ready to kind of dig into some of these questions? Heck yeah, Do dude. A little studying, yeah. Um, so how long have you been at the path? Um, I think that I would, I think I've been here, I'm going on five years at the path. Okay. It's and right right become... after my son was born. Oh, okay, cool. I started, yeah, I think it was like, I think he was, he was a year old or a year and a half old. And uh -huh. so now he's five and a half, almost six. So yeah, we're getting into that five year, six year mark, wow. probably. Koa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Koa. I guess a cute kid. And he's a, he's turning into a little ripper. You know, he he is for sure. But um, like, I don't. I try not to push him. I try not to. I try not to push him. And you know, he gets sketched out on stuff, and mm -hmm. I I definitely I don't push him into stuff. <laughs> so he's we're we're getting comfortable in all kinds of different ways on the bike. <laughs> nice. You know, right now, right now we're like riding around the city. He's learning uh -huh. how to figure out curbs and uneven pavement and you know, and pavement in general. So uh -huh. it's been cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, 
So you have become kind of the the suspension wizard at the path. Um, can you talk just a little bit about that? About you know how how much research you do? You talk to Fox. You talk to people on a regular basis. I talk to you know? Fox, and I do, I talk Fox. The language. <laughs> you talk the fox. You speak fox. <laughs> I can speak fox sometimes better than fox. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you speak fox but, better or rock shocks better? Um, I speak them both pretty good. Uh, okay. As far as like who's got their language set out a little bit, you know, more clear. Fox is a little bit easier to sort of work with, but rock shocks is you know, rock shocks has got their their finished product that's pretty good but um as far as the wizardry um i would say there's a definitely a community of wizards here mm, okay. at the shop i've learned a lot from you know all the techs that work here there's there's raul garcia there's dean over at live oak <laughs> his name so his last name is really long but it starts with a k <laughs> <laughs> i love dean um and uh you know it's been a it's been a group effort and but as far as like the the depth it's one of those things where I've just kind of taken I the online sort of um, information that's available and I just have taken it to the level that I think you know anybody can take it to but I've just focused on it mm-hmm. and um, I'm not so much focused on it as much as I was when I first was kind of discovering what our abilities were once we kind of got a few tools under our belt from Fox, like a few more of the advanced tools that we would need. Um, but now it's kind of coming more fluidly and it's, it's, um, it's more fun. It's less, less unknown. You know, I'm, I'm known, I know a little bit yeah. more about kind of what I'm working with. I have like some authority figures and some mentors. So yeah. That's cool. I'd like yeah. to tell everybody a little anecdote also to give you an idea of, of, some of the kind of things that Brandon might do, you know, at the path. Uh, we had uh, Kelly like cracked her uh, Santa Cruz Bronson V3 frame, and there were no One more, huh? One of those Vs. Yeah, but there were no more of those in smalls. Like Santa Cruz didn't have any more of those for like the crash replacement. And we, you suggested we could actually just for a little bit more money, we could get the the next version, right? The oh, V4, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is one of my things. If you, if, if I could, that's like, if I could plug one of my things that I do, that would be a thing that I do. Cause like there's, there's all these scenarios that I get in when I'm just mm-hmm. fixing bikes, just fixing bikes, not modifying anything, not doing mm-hmm. anything crazy where it's like, you could buy a new shock, and it's going to have this tune or you could, we yeah. could repair or rebuild yours and we could select some tunes. Yeah. Well, so that's, so what happened is when, when Kelly, when we decided to get the new version Bronson frame, we were just going to use all the components from her previous version, but the, the newest version Bronson has more travel, has a different like leverage ratio Totally different bike, but Brandon was able to take the fork and the shock and totally rework it, like like change the travel on the shock, change the travel on the fork, rework the uh, the um, the tune on the shock to work with her new frame. Um, and now she has like a new 
well, not it's not now, but at that time she had a new Bronson using all the same stuff. And I thought that was just like rad. We didn't have to go and go, okay, well, we, you have to go get the the RockShox Super Deluxe because that's what comes on the new Bronsons. You were able to like make her existing componentry, suspension componentry work. And so just kind of yeah, want to add we, a little bit more. Go ahead. Yeah, we, well, the, the, there was an Imperial Shock that came off the old Bronson and we converted it to a metric shock. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, we kind of used some pieces that we had from mm-hmm. the old shock, like the eyelet. That was like a two hundred, like a two hundred dollar piece. So we uh-huh. we transferred over expensive pieces to the yeah. new one, and then while we were at it, we selected um, what are called shim stacks for mm-hmm. you know for what Kelly's riding style and kind of mm-hmm. what kind of forces she's going to be putting into the bike and how she wants it to feel. So nice. Yeah, that so, was yeah. a cool. That was a cool thing. It, it's still like it's still somewhat experimental, but really cool. Yeah, it's it's worked. She's really liked it. And that's really kind of two part or two goals there for me telling that story. One is like to kind of talk about how rad you get treated at the path, but also like Brandon's capabilities and understanding of suspension. So we're going to do one more thing before we get into the suspension questions. Uh, This is a kind of like get to know Brandon a little bit better. Um, I did get a whole bunch of questions that were like personality questions. Uh, but we're going to hold on because we're not going to really do those uh, just because we want to concentrate on suspension. But we are going to do this one uh, that both you and I are going to answer. Uh, and it's from Real Dr. Jay Rich, which is Jason Richardson, who asks, what do you want to do and are most fearful of from a riding standpoint? So on the bike, what scares you a whole bunch, but that you also want to do? Uh, I'm glad you, you prepped me with this and I thought of a really good one. It came to my, after a few seconds is, um, is racing fast. Okay. Yeah. Racing fast in like a, in like, um, like right now my lifestyle is just, is, is going in a way where, um, racing could be part of mountain biking. That's just really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And it's just this environment that I put myself in. That's just exciting. And, um, so just riding in general, getting through that experience uh-huh. takes it, takes it to another level. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, ex- fully expressing yourself at that level Mm-hmm. can have some can have consequences and I, I have a job <laughs> and you know i had a son and so yeah. it's yeah. i'm fearful but like i don't go charging into the into that stuff i um i like to stay rubber side down yeah there is something about <laughs> that that tape when you're like going down the trail in between the tape it does kind of change things Oh um, yeah, with the buzzers and and like counting down somebody <laughs> at the thing saying your name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty cool. For me, it's pretty simple. It's gap jumps. Like gap jumps just I'm not I'm starting to hit them. I'm starting to hit them. I just went to San Clemente and there's that, that seems like a really good place to um for me to work on my gap jumps. Actually, San Clemente is terrible. Don't, nobody go there. They're the worst trails ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I haven't been there in a long time. <laughs> I don't even know where they are. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, don't go there. It's terrible. Something um, I washed out with the rain. Yeah. So let's jump into these you know questions, what, okay? 
Go ahead. One thing though on yours, mm-hmm. that you know what I would say that might be beneficial that helps me with that kind of stuff with like big drops at speed and, and stuff mm-hmm. where there's just a little gap or something. Um, getting towed into it mm-hmm. by somebody who by somebody who knows what they're doing. And yeah. and like and even being in a group where there's people behind you too and you're just in this flock. <laughs> you know, that, that sort of that with- flock effect. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. I've hit something like that. Uh, Just a quick reminder, everybody, if you have questions that you would like to ask in the live chat, do hold on to them um, because we're going to get through some of our main questions. Those people who did their homework and asked questions ahead of time, they're going to get priority. We're going to answer theirs first. And then as we have time towards the end, we'll start going through the live stream and doing some rapid fire. So let's jump into this, okay? The big question that um, everybody wants to know that a million people asked is what's the difference between damping and dampening? (laughs) (laughs) I hope we were going to talk about dampening because I really like to get wet. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, For real though. Um, Okay, we're going to, a lot of people asked about the difference between the 36 and the 38. And I feel like mm-hmm. we can get deep into that. But I want to get to a more practical thing first. So everybody, we're going to get to that. I know a lot of people want to know about that. Yep. But we also got a bunch of questions um, like like Debbie Kale, Kale said something like suspension setups for noobs or... Um, I think right something like that. Basically, like that's enough. A, a number of people ask me to start. Yeah, yeah. How suspension you... setups for noobs. There you go. Because okay. we're selling some. We're selling a ton of bikes, mm-hmm. so I'm learning, concentrated learning right now. Um, check your sag every time before you ride. There's the the O ring on the shock and the and the stanchion of the fork mm-hmm. is a measuring tool, and Typically, a general rule of thumb is most manufacturers for the for the rear shock recommend 30% sag, and what that means is 30% of the total shock stroke. So right. that could look like a various that or that could look like a few different things. It could look like a black stanchion body with an with a black O ring. It could look like a RockShox product that has a sag gradient on it with a red orange O-ring. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a Kashima with a black O-ring. Mm-hmm. In general, though, you need to find that 30% marker. And if you don't have a 30% gradient mark on there, it would be a really good benefit for you to, to know what the, what the stroke of your bike is to calculate that sag and to measure it accurately. With like an app on your phone or just like a small ruler, like a small mm-hmm. metric ruler is something cool that would that works. But your phone works fine, too, if you have the clearance. Mm-hmm. So do that every time before you ride. You might not have to set it, but you should check it. Okay. Front and rear. Now, for the front, generally 15 to 20% sag. Oh, okay. So... That's what Fox's recommended setting is. 
on okay. their, in their owner's manual. I usually run people at 18 when I'm just setting up their basic setup. Is that what you set mine at? Yeah. So a quick little anecdote. Uh, when I put my shock uh, pump on, on the fork, it read higher than you told me you had put it at. You'd put it at like 85 PSI. Um, and I was like, oh, that's weird. And so then I ended up like putting more air in it. And it was terrible. And then I went back to like what you told me to do it at, and it was perfect. I felt um, like it was at 75, but maybe. maybe no, you're 85. right. Yeah, sorry. You're, you're right. It was at, see, Brandon knows my suspension better than I do. It was at 75. <laughs> you're right. Um, real quick, before we get into uh, dampening, I mean, damping. Damping. Uh, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I w uh, could you really quick talk about the difference between your shock stroke and your travel? Yeah. So the shock stroke is the distance that the shock travels when it's from when it's fully uncompressed to when it's compressed fully. Mm -hmm. And your travel is the distance that the rear axle travels when it's right. fully extended and when it's fully compressed with the so shock like installed. So like my Nomad has 170 millimeters of travel in the back. But the stroke is gonna is not is necessarily like sixty five mils or something. Don't quote you know. I'm not sure, but it's around there. Yeah, it's so the shock is uh, much shorter yeah. than the travel. The stroke of the shock. So most sag ranges are twelve to seventeen, eighteen millimeters, mm -hmm. and depending on the travel. So like the more travel you have, the more stroke you're gonna have, the more sag you're gonna have, okay. and you really want to get that set at the same position and you want to set that ride height according to the manufacturer, which is around 30% for most for air shocks on most frames. Like nice. we can confidently kind of, kind of say that we don't really need to get into the weeds on what the difference in 28 and 30. If, if you people like to try those things, they can. Okay. So then what about the thing that scares Dampers. everybody? Well, hang on. What about, and then what about clickers? Yeah. They, all the clickers, all the knobs. Um, Okay, so you set sag, and and for setting sag, you want to make sure that all your clickers are open. So like, open for most dampers, like Fox and Rock Shocks, is is counterclockwise to the left, mm -hmm. just like the Lefty Lucy open. So you want to make sure that all the compression damping forces are out of the way when you're measuring sag, and make sure nothing's locked out. Some some mm -hmm. of these products have like a switch for the mm -hmm. compression, so do that. And then as far as like clickers go, there's, there's all kinds of products out there. You need to really consult the owner's manual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we get on from the beginner level to the somewhat intermediate level, like let's say we have some low speed compression settings, start with a few clicks from in or start count how many clicks the valve has and then start in the middle. If you need to kind of experience and experiment with that product yourself um, in, in regards to compression, and I would start in the middle of the valve or on the lighter side of things and build up to more damping forces, depending on how experienced you are with these products. And then the other aspect that's more like important is the rebound. The, the rebound is dependent on the spring. Mm -hmm. So, so it controls 
the energy come the the energy rebounding out of the spring after it's compressed. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of got to be a specific like um, sort of uh, speed according right. to the spring like spring rate. Right. Um, so yeah. So if you have more pressure and you let's say there's an air shock or you have a heavier spring rate. You're going to need more damping, which means more damping force, which means mm-hmm. more re- restriction and more slowing down of the, uh, the, the, like whatever we're talking about, which is in right. this case, the axle. Yeah. It, a lot of people, a lot of times I know when I first started mountain biking, I got, it was really counterintuitive because more damping meant slower, meant things went slower because you were increasing the amount of resistance and you would increase the amount of resistance by turning the knob clockwise, you know, like turning turning the volume up, like making it more, slowed it down. Yeah. Um, I think that, that took me a while to get. Um, yeah. Especially uh, because a lot of people use rebound as a way to address like a bump response. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, like you start mm-hmm. to like mess, you start to like slow rebound or use rebound to slow down the return speed after a bump. Mm-hmm. And in an effort to make the, you know, to use damping to just in an effort to make things smoother. Right. And and what happens is you end up taking that out of its range this for the spring. Something yeah, like, because it, because well, if it's too slow, do. you can pack down. Meaning your 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 suspension doesn't have enough time to open back up and be ready for the next um, hit, and then you can end up at the bottom of your travel. Got to give a little shout out here to Benduro for that five bucks. Thank you so much, Benduro. That's rad. Bought me a little. Bought me a coffee or two coffees. That's two coffees. Thanks, man. Um, so then what would you say is a good, like, would you just say like, just set it in the middle, set your rebound in the middle to start off with and then make adjustments from there? No, I would say use, if there's a chart, try and see what the chart's doing. Look at the chart. Mm -hmm. What the chart's doing is it's saying the less pressure you have, the less rebound Mm -hmm. you need. Got it. So if you're a light rider and you have low pressures, you're not, you're going to be at the lighter side of that rebound valve. And if you're a heavy right. person, mm-hmm. then you're going to be at the heavier side of that rebound valve in order to, you can really notice with a heavier spring because it's so strong, like mm-hmm. when it rebounds, that you like need damping to slow right. it down. Yeah. yeah. So that's where it's really using the, the, the valve. And that's where you can see that's why it has a clicker because it's got to work for a multitude of spring rates. Got it. I think it's interesting. Um, occasionally, some people will ask me questions like, you know, should I make my suspension softer? Like, how do I make it softer? And I find it, it's an interesting concept because like, really, uh, suspension isn't, shouldn't, in my head, it seems like suspension shouldn't really be hard or soft. It should suspend you, you know, <laughs> like, the idea is like, it, it should, yeah. it, it should be working. True. It should be suspending you through terrain. So sometimes that means it just it needs to support you. It needs to get out of the way when it needs to get out of the way. And I think a lot of the times that idea of soft yeah. or hard 
is like oversimplifying how suspension works. Cause like, just like we're talking about, you're loading up a spring either through a coil or air, which, which is receiving and expressing energy. And they're using dampers to control how much it does that. And like the, the spring itself is the thing that like supports you the whole time. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, so rebound is rebound is one of those things that's like attached to sort of a theoretical logic that makes that's not based on a variable that people can kind of manipulate a little bit. Hmm. So like compression is different, right? Because people have a preference for compression with rebound. People have a preference, but still have to stay within the range of their spring rate to a certain mm -hmm. extent. And so oh, that makes so much more sense now. Okay. I see. I see. I see. It's like, ahead, why would you need, so what's damping? Damping slow absorbs energy and slows down the speed of something. Mm -hmm. So what's compliance though with a bike compliance is like when it moves. So mm -hmm. it's like, what does the rider want? What is, mm -hmm. and like, you know, it's, that's, that's where you get into, I think what I notice is that people's preferences change if they're growing as a rider, mm -hmm. if they have a specific sort of identity as a rider, then like they might have a specific way they like their setup and they don't change it. Mm -hmm. For me over time, I've, my setup has changed yep. and I've grown I, as a rider and I've would, watched people, you know, go ahead. No, yeah, I totally experienced the same thing where when I was coming into mountain biking, I had generally lower pressures and higher damping. I was scared of my suspension, really. <laughs> and I think as I became Oops. more aggressive, like I started having more energy in the suspension. I started having a like like more air in the shock, right, and in the fork. And then my damping was opened up a lot more. Um, and just that makes so much sense. Yeah, scared of your suspension. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Because like you're you're like lowering the pressures, and then you're trying to just use the dampers, mm -hmm. and it's to compensate. And it, you know, that's that's actually where the products you know differentiate, and some of them are better at doing that than others. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you, it helps to have somebody that knows what's actually you know what your goal is because you you know you can tweak the dampers and if you have a frame there's all kinds of things you know like yeah there's what you did and then i think the new wave of it is frame controlled kinematics with super mm -hmm. light valving for mm -hmm. for riders and it's accomplishing the same thing well not the same it's better but it's it's what you talked about it's like it's like a a, a sort of it's for a rider that wants the bike to be compliant which, you know, whatever mm -hmm. style you want to call that, that, that gravitates to. I mean, I know people that are really, that have a lot of speed and push a lot into the bike that like light valving too. So, yeah, I don't know. I like my bike to just go straight through boulders. Um, let's, right. switch gears. Yeah, so. let's switch gears. Let's talk about the difference between the 36 and the 38. Um, we've oh, gotten yeah. questions from like Andy Ginther, thoughts on the 38. Um, ultimate MTB benefits from moving from the 38 to the 38 from the 36. Um, and I think we could, there's another question that ultimate MTB had, which I think we can come to come back to if we have time, which is, it looks like pro enduro riders. Um, oh, good. This, I'm glad you put this, that. I, got, I saw that. 
Yeah, okay. We can maybe come back to that. But let's start off by... Um, uh, actually, let me answer this question really quickly. Uh, oh, Javali16 says, um, did you put your grip two settings from the 36 to the 38, and is there a difference? And the simple answer is no, because it's it's it wasn't about the difference in the fork. It was more about a different, it's a different bike, you know. And those are two different dampers for sure. Those yeah. are two different dampers. We just set it up towards the, for the, uh, according to the owner's manual, or I, I did. Maybe Alan might have clicked it a couple of times since since now. Yeah, I op- I've opened it up a little bit, uh, like the rebound. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Funny how that works. So like, you know, I like data when the, with for these questions, and I've mm-hmm. seen some data out there on the so the 2021 Grip Two damper is the VVC technology. It's different from the 2020 Grip Two damper. They carried that Grip Two and made a 38 version. So for the 38, I think what might be going on, if I were to conceptualize this first and then explain how I arrived to this later, I would say that maybe what's going on perhaps is that. They created this Grip2 platform with VVC technology that's really new and is really pretty cool. There's a lot of range of adjustment. And the 38 has a unique air spring design, which I have one right here. I don't know if you can see it, but yeah, it's not typical um, for what's in the industry right now. And perhaps what the air spring does is it um, changes the spring curve in a way that riders are wanting more damping from the 2021 grip two and they're not able to get it uh so i've seen dyno charts where it shows that the grip two doesn't provide as much damping in the you know in the closed settings as the previous 2020 grip two did so it looks like they opened it up essentially and they changed the technology and they have this 38 um air spring design which what it does is you have this seal head here at the bottom of the air spring design. And then to digress, normally the air spring is within the stanchion tube of the fork. So the, what you see normally on the inside, the piston of the air spring is riding up against the inner wall of that. This is a tube that's installed inside that stanchion. You can see that it's sealed off with O-rings here and it's sealed off with an O-ring here. And so what this essentially does is it creates an air chamber in between this tube and the stanchion that is accessible through the lower leg bath air air um, area so when the lower leg compresses the air from there goes through these two these holes and fills this cylindrical space uh-huh. and it, i don't know what it does because i don't have a <laughs> dyno but it, it does something to spring curve <laughs> Okay, I'm okay. a tech. I'm not an engineer. <laughs> you know how to fix I it. Ch- I chatted with Ryan Kerchak at Fluid Focus down in San Marcos. He has a dyno, and he's ridden, he's ridden it, and he has some, he has gotten some feedback. He says it's kind of fifty fifty mm. on like where the feedback lies, like where people if people like it or if people don't like it. So to that note, you had somebody had mentioned that they saw that enduro riders weren't necessarily specking that on their bikes. Is mm-hmm. that true? That's ultimate MTB. That's, so not sure if that's true, but let's say that's hypothetically true. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I would when I'm racing, very mindful of weight. When I'm working, when I'm working on 
So not so much when I'm racing. When I work on race bikes, racers are very, like, high-level racers really want light bikes for the most part. So everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Some, some riders don't care. Some riders like the feeling of a solid feel. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't mind the extra weight. But um, I'm, I'm thinking that it's probably a weight thing. Uh, it's probably thought, weight, yeah. I thought also, like, if you're, like, when did the 38 come out? Like, uh, that could be too. Maybe they don't have 38s for their riders. Yeah, there was that. But also, if, like, you're, like, I think it came out, like, just before, like, lockdown happened, basically. But if you're, like, already into your season. That's why, I mean, I don't know. I mean, aren't they going to be swapping them out? I would think that's your fork you use for downhill stuff. Yeah, maybe. I just felt like, I also thought, like, if you're a racer and you already have a setup and you've already been, like, riding it, do you want to change that? Like, what you're doing, like, mid-season, you know, that's kind of was another thought, too. Anyway. Yeah, maybe they're just getting comfy with it. How did you like yours? I like it. How do you like Um, yours so far? I I, washed out in the corner on mine. I think it was (laughs) Ivy. Just kidding. Uh, no, I, I really like it. Uh, it just, it just feels like, I mean, some of it, it's hard to say. A lot of people have asked me specifically, like, how do I like it versus the 36, but it's kind of hard to say because like it's, I'm, I've gone from writing a 36, you know, that happened to have a Bronson attached to it. Once you get to the park and you really put some, put (laughs) some force through it, I think you'll notice. I think you'll be able to to comment on that more. Yeah, because like you know, like the 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 nomad is you can just you can plow through stuff if you want to. You can pop around stuff if you want to. So it's really hard for me to really compare. And we, you know, kind of Brandon and I talked about this a little bit before, uh, you know, backstage, which was like I would really need to, you know, swap forks. You know, like do a run on the on the Bronson with the thirty six and do a run with the thirty eight to really know. But I do know that like at high speed, like at Snow Summit, for instance, at high speeds, I could tell, I could like feel my fork like flexing at times. And I think I'll get less of that with the 38, you know, because the 38 also, you know, yeah, okay, there's 38, but then there's also like the, is it called a crown? The like thing that's like more rounded now? Yeah, it's the crown of the low, the arch. The arch, thank you. The arch is more archy, and then I guess the the steer and tube. And the steer is tube butted. is uh, is um, ovalized or uh, I don't know what you call it. I think they call it like thicker double butted or something. Thicker on the front ends than it is on the sides. Thompson yeah. C posts are like that, or they used to be. It's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. So they. Yeah. So I can't really answer the question because. I'm riding a 38 that's attached to a badass nomad. I can um, sell you the forks and um, charge you labor to throw them on and swap them out if you want to go to the Oaks and give it a try. Anybody hit me up? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, some um, listeners and viewers uh, just uh, take care of that for us and, and report back. <laughs> Actually, I could just take the one off the Bronson, huh? Yeah. I still have the Bronson. I haven't sold it yet. Um, got some good offers, but, you know. Uh, yeah. So I think, uh, is there, uh, what else do you want to say about the 38 um, versus the 36? Uh, I, I think, I think that's pretty a, good. It's a, yeah, it's a cool product. Um, 
I was a little gung-ho about recommending 2021 VVC stuff, uh, dampers as a performance upgrade. I'm a little, mm-hmm. I'm a little hesitant to do that. I, I haven't gotten stung by it. I mean, I've sold a few, but mm-hmm. I, and no one's had bad reports of it. But um, and a lot of the people that I'm selling it to like lighter damping, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, uh, it's a product in development. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. Liked- I like it. I've liked I've liked what I've liked what I've experienced on mine. Um, I haven't ridden ridden a Zeb yet, and so that'll be that'll be interesting to ride the to ride a Zeb. Is it true that de- the Zeb doesn't have rebound damping setting, like a like a dial for rebound or high speed rebound? Probably not. That's not true. Probably just like the normal Charger two point one has a just a single rebound knob. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And is that for high speed rebound? Um, I think it's mostly for low speed rebound. Weird. Okay, so the high speed is set. Interesting. I didn't know that. Doesn't mean it's bad. I hear good things about the Zeb. Um, let's jump into oh, David. Um, it would be interesting to see, like, yeah, I don't, it'd be interesting to see that on the dyno, like what that's one, like one, yeah, I mean. As far as Thanks, how these David. products work, sometimes, um, you, you know, marketing or what the what the company wants the product to do might mm-hmm. not be what it's doing. Interesting. Cool. Thanks, David, for the four ninety nine. You must be on an Android phone. Um, that's rad. Hey, let's switch gears. Let's talk about maintenance. So we got a bunch of questions about maintenance. Um, generally we've got got some specific ones, but we've got some general ones about like, like, do I even need to, is it in, does it worth it? How often should I do it? What's the point? Right. Like, let me give you a specific one. Um, do I even need um, maintenance? Like why is it important? Free ride Janice from Instagram, are suspension services that necessary and why? And when do I even have to do them, Brandon? Yeah, like, really? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, it's, I think it's, from what I see, most of the time when people don't do them, they just don't have a, as good of an experience. So it, it just degrades the experience of riding your full suspension bike. It depends on what your expectations are, and it depends on what components you're using. It depends on how much you have invested in them. Once you get some nicer components and you kind of get into this stuff, you realize that all those things that are moving, they all just, they all get scratched. They just, they all scratch. So they all, there's all this friction and there's dirt and then it all gets scratched. And then after a while, they just, they like, you just need a new one. You can't even rebuild it, which Mm -hmm. is cool. It's fine. If you're like, yeah, but I didn't even spend any money on it. And now like a couple of years later, you're telling me I need a $400 shock like you, but like, (laughs) you that thing rode like crap for the past two years three years and i don't i didn't ride with you but i guarantee you people were helping you with that with your clickers and you were you know you didn't really you weren't really feeling it that day (laughs) on that trail for some odd reason Uh yeah you haven't checked sag in in a month and a half so like like we were saying accurately measuring sag right Mm -hmm. that in order to do that, you need to, it's best when everything's clean and it's yeah. when it's, when it's all freshly like cleaned and lubed, then mm-hmm. you sink into the suspension. And like you said, it feels, 
that suspended feeling mm-hmm. that's oftentimes just from like clean, you know, mm-hmm. good, you know, sort of like above the value line market products running normally. You get yeah. that. You can get that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I, so I, when y'all aren't as backed up, I like to do my like service like twice a year. Like it's pretty much, <laughs> it's pretty much pre snow summit and post snow summit. That's when I do my services with you guys. You know what? You know why? Why it might be? Maybe it's kind of weird for people. Maybe they're like, "What? I don't. I just don't get it. Why would mm-hmm. you have to service that component?" Mainly is that this year it's the air spring. You know, mm-hmm. and like dampers are pretty robust. Mm-hmm. And when you have it, like with coils, you don't really have to do anything to the coil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the damper just, you know, you have, years later, it'll still do rebound. Yeah. <laughs> like it'll still, like it'll still work. So the air spring though, that's mm-hmm. like a bunch of sliding parts that have to seal air. And so like they have to be slippery and they have to like mm-hmm. work good or else they'll get scratched and messed up and they won't like, you won't have the right air pressure and it can, and, it does, and like, that's kind of, I think that's what you pay for when you use an air spring and you mm-hmm. want to use an air spring because it's easy and it makes like bikes run well on air springs. Air springs are mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it just takes a little bit of care. Yeah. Would you say, how often would you say somebody should like service their suspension? Uh, at least once a year. And if you ride regularly, maybe every six months. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say scratch the stanchion. How do I fix the scratch stanchion? Yeah. A real quick, uh, a little bit of house cleaning. People are asking questions right now. Hold your questions. We're going to, we're going to answer questions later. We're going to, we've got questions that people um, gave us earlier. So we want to get to those first. Uh, But yeah, uh, uh, Dylan Christensen asks, how do I fix scratch, scratch, scratches, scratches on Uh, the stanchions or stanchions, Um, depending on if you listen to pink bike or not. Um, I w- so depending on the product, the newer products right now, like let's say a Fox or a RockShox product, you get a scratch on the outside of the stanchion on the fork. It's not really much to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's riding up against the bushing of the lower. Mm-hmm. So if it's kind of scuffed and the bushing's going over it, then it's probably kind of scuffing the bushing. But if it's not like protruding outward, how is it scuffing the bushing kind of? Right. It's not sealing anything. Um, yeah. I mean, it is. There's there's air in there getting trapped, but like, there's not a ton of oil in there that's gonna like blast out. <laughs> um, we used yeah. to like JB weld them and like, you know, sort of like use a squeege to like mm-hmm. make it smooth. But like, I, I I'm over that. I don't yeah. do that. Like, it's just you can get a new upper if you really want to. I feel like from what I understood, like, you know, whether it's like the Kashima or black, actually, we'll come back to that. Uh, Like the black anodized or the Kashima, like at least with the black anodized, like if you get like a little scratch in the black, that top layer is it's just black because of dye, you know. So like unless you have like a big barb sticking out or something, you know, seeing a little bit of silver coming through from getting touched by a rock isn't really going to do anything, especially if you're like using one of the like aftermarket, like stanchion oil things, you know, like, uh, like some like the WPL or something like that. that you like, you put on there and you like 
like keep it nice and lubed up. Oh yeah, and I don't even recommend doing that. Mm, like, okay. I don't like I don't even I don't like to rec- I don't like to put anything on the outside of the stanchion or the outside of the wiper really mm. to like lube anything. I just like to drop on the lowers more periodically. Nice. It's like a it's a sterile thing. You don't want to get you don't want to introduce things to that environment mm. and and you're not going to make any performance gains or or help anything with that you know, unless you're, yeah, I just, it's like, you, if, if you're doing that, you should probably just drop your lowers and yeah. them out. Drop your lowers. I'm going to make a t-shirt. I'll sell you the tools. <laughs> okay. For sure. <laughs> tools for sale. All right. This is a quick one. I hope this is a quick one. Kashima. Really? Anna? Yeah. Like, what, is it? I think it's just a color. I don't I think it's like Teflon. It's like a proprietary. It's a proprietary blend, and it it might have protective effects and maybe a slight friction advantage, but there's not a lot of friction at that point. Got it. There's not yeah. like like there is rubber. Like I guess if the sh- like on the shock, there's rubber riding up against it, but that's negligible. The, and it's got the fork, a little bit of lube in there too. Anyway, the fork is got is the bushings, and there's oil in between the the stanchion and the bushing so there's not really it's you know it's a color and it's like maybe more durable it's, it's yeah. it holds its value better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah there you go um i should say you know people have asked me about the kashima and i think i'm getting asked about the kashima because my bike has the factory suspension on it um you needed but it. to be huh but i needed, needed it, it yeah I mean, <laughs> I'm a factory rider now, right? No, I mean, but I if if I were building a bike from scratch, I probably would have went with the black anodized just because, like, I I don't know, like, if I'm going to get any, it, like, if I actually need it. So, it it came yeah. with the bike. It came with the bike, and it was the bike that yeah, I yeah. I have because... these other. Let me. No, no, they're in boxes. Never mind. Okay. I have like an upper and a lower over there. It's like you can piece together <laughs> forks and stuff too. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, you can do it. Um. Cool. I got uh, this new tool. You know, it's okay for the thirty-eight. One more thing on the thirty-eight. I got these yeah, new tools, yeah, yeah. and I checked it out. I they offer bushings for the thirty-eight. So I have I ordered a kit of bushings. This is like a forty-dollar kit of of bushings, and then I have the installation tool. It's just this big piece of aluminum. Mm-hmm. Get watch out! I don't know what you're gonna do with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, and then I got the new steel driver too. I got a couple of them. If you want any, if you want any, I bought, I got some for, um, I got two to sell. Cool. <laughs> right on. <laughs> okay. So we've pretty much gotten through the main kind of themed questions that we got from people. I believe I had a, before we get to the, the live chat questions, we'll, we'll reserve like 15 minutes. Oh, you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, let's talk progressive and linear. How long do you want to? How long do you want to have for questions? Ten minutes. I, I kind of want to get to that question we had. I had to with for you about Spring volume spacers. Yeah, or about volume spacers. Yep. Right. Um, what was the? Uh, go ahead. Um. Okay. Uh. Let me. Let's, that, it let's goes ask, right into linear progressive. Okay. Okay. So we're going to cover this question that, where was it? It was in the settings section, which is, um, 
Explain progressive and linear suspension. Would you would like to go from air shock to coil from stay active RA warrior? We not won't necessarily get into the air shock versus coil, although that'll be part of it. Yeah. This this I th- I think it'll be part of it, right? So part of the question I had, and I think this will hopefully answer a lot of these questions that we have. Like Steven Nelson was like, what do you use the front fork adjustment for? adjusting rebound. There's a lot of these kind of questions. I have this kind of hypothetical question that I think will maybe address a lot of those. So in the Bronson, I wanted the suspension to be more kind of playful, more quote unquote poppy. uh, When I first got it, it ate up the chunk really well, but I feel like I felt like I wanted more pop off the jumps and stuff. Now, um, let's say I wanted to do something similar with the Nomad. But instead of using volume spacers, could I do something similar? Could I emulate that using just pressure and damping changes? Yeah. Well, you. I mean, you can. Well, so if you would, if you want, when you do that, you want to make one change at a time. Right. So if you're doing it and you said like poppy off of like a jump or just in general, you want it to be more springy for trail riding. More, more springy, like I, there's a little there's a little side hit or I want to pop over a, a little rock garden, okay. you know. That so find a section, of, find a section of trail, and start with if you you know depending on what you're interested in, messing with first. Start mm-hmm. by adding low speed compression damping and your your products. I would on your nomad, I would stick with one at a time. And, you know, I would start with whatever you're interested in for this one. Else, let's say the shocks and it's going to have the, the biggest effect mm-hmm. and increase low speed compression damping, go through your section of trail and sort of mentally document what did it feel like? Same, better, worse mm-hmm. for what you were wanted to achieve. Did you were you getting closer to what you wanted to achieve? And if you did get closer to what you wanted to achieve, go back up to the top of the trail, increase more low speed compression damping Mm -hmm. until you kind of, until you get to that run where you're either achieved what you want or you're, you're not, you're starting to not achieve what you're getting the same result. And you know what I mean? And then you want to, and then what you want to do is switch over to something Mm -hmm. else in which you could, you know, depending on, where you want to go, you can return everything back mm-hmm. and start over from the, from the beginning and start with spring pressure. You could, you could run 28% sag instead of 30. Okay. You could double, you could double check your sag at first. If yeah. you're feeling like it's too planted, you definitely want to double check your sag. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you could, you could run it at 28%. And I would say those are the things that you could do like pretty easily to make it feel more poppy and you could do the same thing with the fork yeah so i guess that's so you're you're talking about the on-trail method of getting there and to me the the hype the hypothesis i'm hearing underneath that is that adding a volume spacer adds progression right it's gonna it's gonna ramp up more the 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 suspension is gonna give me more resistance the further i get into the travel adding more air is going to also give me more resistance as I move further into the travel. Right. And 
but adding low speed compression damping would do the same, but would do it earlier. It would, it would, it would give me more resistance to, to, to you dive into it to, without affecting sag. Go, okay. Got it. Okay. So the low speed compression would possibly make it more poppy while still remaining, retaining sag. And I don't necessarily want to so mess like, with my sag too much because I want my wheel to be able to still drop into holes when it needs to. Well, and you just, every frame is designed around a specific sag rating and not mm. all frames, some frames, when they drift out of that rating, they, they're not designed. That's not where they're designed to ride. So you, you don't want to be messing with sag. You want sag to be within the spec. So that's why you would just, if you wanted Got to it. make it feel more poppy, you would set sag and you just add a volume spacer. Mm -hmm. And what you're essentially doing is you're ramping up the the spring curve without affecting sag and without affecting damping. So you could do one or you could do both. Okay. But you so I'm trying to, so I'm using like... pressure is hard using pressure is hard because you're affecting sag. Got it. Okay. So actually that leads me to another question, which is when head tube angle is measured, is that like just the bike sitting there with nobody on it? I don't know. Okay. I think so. I think yeah, it's, okay. um, I don't think that it's with uh, under sag because they're not showing you the seat angle or anything under sag. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Uh, so the linear pro progression, they're like, if there's anybody that wants to kind of understand why progression, progression, mm -hmm. progressive by definition is dynamic. It changes as something. So it changes like over a specific, um, you know, in this, in this instance, you're talking about a point on a spring curve mm -hmm. and a fo the force that that's producing. So a linear spring is like straight line and it could be a spring is obviously it's at a diagonal curve, but it's a straight mm -hmm. line. Is that like, a, like, a, um, I'm sorry. Like, a, um, so I think one, one thing a lot of people don't see is when you're looking at one of those graphs linear, you're looking at a straight line. And I think some people will mistake that as you're getting the same amount of resistance the whole time. But I think a linear actually means, right, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're getting the amount of resistance that the spring is giving you uh, increases linear, but it increases yeah, it linear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it increases. Right. like So most coil, like a coil spring is something that's more linear because the line is straighter, is more mm -hmm. straight. It still right. increases as it gets, as it compresses. Right. An air spring is more progressive. So it increases like the number increases like X, it's like an exponential curve. So it, it gets more progressive. And so what that does is that it adds a dynamic aspect to the forces when at the, at sag versus mm -hmm. at, com at compression at like, mm -hmm. so you end up with a scenario where you can have a really sensitive top end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as it goes through the travel, it changes and gets more difficult to compress. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it creates this plush zone 
and that's and with with linear and straight lines it's it's difficult to do that and and what you're seeing too with frame manufacturers is they're able to do it a little bit more they're able to add progression into the kinematics of the frame because right. you because then when you're talking about shocks, you don't necessarily want to have to run a bunch of progression in your shock. Mm-hmm. Because in a shock, dynamic, that's hard to do. Dynamic stuff is hard to do in a shock. That requires technology. Right, so because, because that gets into the damping circuits, right? Because like if you're... All the, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because because now you, you've got a damping circuit that's trying to work at a certain amount of speed and pressure and then that's change like that arc is changing and change. having, yeah like mid yeah, stroke and, and and how fast did that stroke that happen shock? and then you're going to compensate for the rebound and all that that's going <laughs> to happen after that in a shock so with a frame with a frame what you what you're what you're doing is you're allowing the shock to just be this this kind of consistent like it's just a it's more simple mm-hmm. really yeah more consistent yeah. more predictable and then, and two, it's actually more fun to play with the progression of a shock on a progressive frame is so that mm. you're not doing it all with the, with the shock. Got it. So. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, what are you, what are their questions in the live feed? Uh, we've got a, we've, we've now we've gotten, we're going to move. Yeah. Let's move to the live feed. Yeah. Um, do you, I'm going to kind of look through and if you see any that you like, um, let me know. I don't even know how to look. Um, is it in? Um, is it on an hour? Is it exactly an hour? Is it a time limit? No, 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 no. We can go a little over if you've got time. I've got time. Oh yeah, cool. Um, you pull them. Okay. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. Brandon left. He hit the wrong button. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> thanks, Tony. It's in the computer. Um, while he's coming back, hopefully he comes back. Um, I knew that was going to happen. As soon as I'm not going to stay start, out of there. Yeah, as soon as you start pushing buttons. Don't send me in there. You pick them. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. Okay. I'm going to just kind of look at what we got here. Um, here we go. Bikes and barbells. On the Grip 2 damper, do the knobs for high-speed compression and low-speed compression and rebound spin independently? When I turn one, I can see the other moving simultaneously. Is that actually making a change? Uh, yeah, it's definitely making a change. You would probably just need to hold hold the knobs. I think, and just isolate them. They might turn together. Yeah. So you might I, need to I, like adjust your high speed and then hold the, uh, and then like get the low, like hold the high speed and move the low speed all the way to the end and then clock it out. Yeah. I, I think I did that the first time I did it. Actually, like it, I think if the, which one is the big one? High speed. Yeah. I think the, the center one turns with it. And I think it's, do you have to hold it? I think it's, I think it's okay. Um, experiment see how many clicks it moves yeah <laughs> you know one thing i will note is on the the grip two, the 2021 grip two, it actually stops as you're winding it out it'll stop when it gets to the end of its range 
I think it's a separate, one, yeah, it's a separate needle. So like the high speed moves like the whole assembly, the, the low speed probably spins, but it doesn't click. Right. Yeah. But I did notice that the, um, it, like when you get to the end of its range, when you go as open as you can go, it actually stops. Whereas the, 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 the previous year, it just keeps unwinding and you don't know. And I like, I ended up making myself look pretty dumb when I did my bike check. Cause I was like, I've got, I've got low speed compression out to 21 clicks. And somebody was like, it only has 12. <laughs> really? Yeah. Makes you want to grab a damper and do that. <laughs> Makes you want to grab a damper. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm in a tough uh, debate right now whether the 38 performance or factory 36 is the go is the 38 performance worth $200 more than the 36 factory what is your take on it performance we're talking is it if it comes with the grip too then there's nothing really different except for the black anna mm, so yeah. I sum all for it um, if it but comes it with like a grip damper then it's a different damper but it looks like there's also a 38 and a 36 in there too Oh, he, he's saying, yeah, so I don't know about that. Um, I mean, like we said, like the 38, it's going to be for downhill, like big stuff. Like yeah. I, like I've, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get out to a couple of SoCal Enduro races and ride locally. And I'm probably not going to be riding a 38. Mm. Yeah. Here's one. Is there any recommendations for heavy riders that want to keep 30% sag but have issues with bottoming out and unexpected pedal strikes? Yeah, we need to add volume spacers. You need more progression. Um, and so you might be limited by the product you're using, but that's where to start. Make sure the sag set, obviously. And then if you're bottoming out, then you need to add a volume spacer until you don't. Or add volume spacers. Nice. Yeah, that's that's something that's really. I mean, that's really important. That's that's the that's the, how you make bikes safe. As a, from my perspective, as like ride height and spring curves are two very important things to to get right when I'm setting somebody up. Damping's kind of second. You know, ride height and spring curve are uh, in like he just said pedal strikes. That's bad. Bad news for me as Dude. a mechanic. Yeah, I think it's just it's bad news as a rider in general like that's, that's so pretty that's hard so before. scary yeah like, you don't want any with e-bikes with e-bikes very important very important really? progressive spring curve sag so important there's a lot of weight going into that pedal if it's going to strike and there's and if it, the bike and then the bikes has a tendency to ride too low because it's heavy hmm. here's one uh, from Board Grind MTB, does running a mullet on a 27.5 frame with 29er front tire, I think I'm already going to say that's not a good idea, um, put stress raise on the, the head tube, um, and how many millimeters can you raise the trail bike forks before you're stressing the head tube? Um, um, I, I every, about the head tube, but... every manufacturer is usually keeps it within 20 mils of the rear travel, so like the fork max is like 20 mils more than the total rear travel. Um, so that's, to, that's a, that's a rule of thumb head tube stressing after that point. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
the mulleting a 27.5 bike though you're raising the bottom bracket um which you don't want to do so sounds like an internet bike yeah <laughs> you know actually uh i have a question for you um and we kind of talked about this a little bit uh before which is the we talked a little bit about the cascade lt link um and uh, people have been like, oh, my God, it makes my bike better. And I appreciate that. Um, and I, bike? I don't, just bikes. People are like, it makes your bike oh. better. Um, but the thing I started wondering about is I know that, you know, Santa Cruz does not recommend mulleting the Nomad. Right. What I wonder is could a um, different link make it mulletable hi ryan maybe i don't know depends on what it does to the bottom bracket i guess okay that stuff's like like there's people who like to do that like mix links and in, in, in shocks and stuff like that and um it gets into the weeds and i um i'm not forward again i don't have a position on it okay. but um i don't have a lot of uh, direction for people doing that it's more of an exploration that they're on okay um i just want to point this out uh uh letter we you just got to wait till this is over and then go watch this um video once we're done because <laughs> we covered all that um cool man um we're gonna do one or two more we're gonna do a couple of lightning rounds so y'all just keep putting questions in there um <laughs> Look what this is. Ooh, 2021 new oil. Oh, dang. The DHX2 and Float X2. Oh. Nerd alert. <laughs> what bike do you ride, Brandon? He rides a medium uh, Nomad. Uh, one of these <laughs> ones. <laughs> right now, if I were to go grab a bike... What's ready? What's ready? Process 134. Process oh, 134 nice. is ready. The Nomad's ready in two sizes too small. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Which is if, super fun. Uh, something I didn't say in the new bike day video is the the fact that Brandon was on a... You normally ride an XL, right? Yeah, pretty much. He was on a medium that day. <laughs> Same just, bike as you. Yeah, he was on the same same precise bike as I was on, and was destroying it, which is which is Super great. Um, all right, let's do a couple more, and then we're gonna call it because we're just over an hour now. How about this one from Brian Matthews? What do you think about single pivot frames? I guess technically an evil is a True single, single pivot, pivot, right? Lever actuated with uh, delta the delta system. Yeah, the delta um, system. We'll talk about that one. Yeah. I mean that's the it's Dave Weekle, the Dave Dave's you know super legit travel apparatus. I mean it's if you look at it on I like there's a, there's a website called that I use called linkagedesign.blogspot.com, and I think there's a Patreon too if you want to support the guy. Um, but he he puts up a lot of kinematic charts for frames that we're all interested in, and mm. if you look at the Delta linkage, it's it's fascinating. Um, it's a work of art. It's got mm -hmm. a progressive progressive leverage rate curve that has like 
three stages. Like if you were a connoisseur of curves, and there's a lot of there's a lot of let's see, there's a lot of this going on. There's a lot of like these going on. <laughs> the, the 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 weagle the weagle does this like step thing, and Whoa. it's fascinating. It's it's fascinating. It like has like these different stages of progression, mm-hmm. um, and it has a uh, a good amount of anti squat. I mean, anti squat is something that I think is really important when selecting a frame and most of the brands that I'm selling are, or we're selling here at the path have a a of anti-squat. I know what anti-squat is, but I would like to hear you describe anti-squat. It's a, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the, the definition of the word is just resisting compression under change or, or initiating direction, like, like mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you move something forward or when you, when you move forward in a vehicle, the, the weight shifts backwards. And then mm-hmm. if you put that vehicle on an incline, like on a mountain bike, if you're climbing up a hill, mm-hmm. the weight definitely shifts backwards. Yeah. And so when the weight shifts backwards, it's going to compress the frame. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way to use the chain to oppose that force. And what it, what they're doing is, is they're just using the chain where the chain ring pulls on the chain. Mm-hmm. They, where they're positioning the pivot, the, the, the main pivot or right. the pivot point. If you're a dual link system where they're mm-hmm. positioning it, it makes it so that when you're driving that chain, it's actually extending the rear triangle right and if you look at a bike yeah you can visualize it with a bike and you can go oh yeah Yeah. it's pulling it's pulling the rear axle down right towards the ground you know like if your pivot point was like a virtual pivot point right so there's like that that's where like if you kind of lined up the pivots you could see where that point is on a vpp but like I still like love to wrap my head around anti-squat and it, it, you know, it's, it has a effect, a stabilizing effect on the frame. Mm -hmm. It also has an effect on the pedals and it has an effect on like, like there's just all these aspects that you need to kind of, you can, as an engineer, I'm sure they, they, they're like designing for, Mm -hmm. and you know, depending on how much anti-squat a frame has, that's also like how active the rear suspension is under braking because there's the opposite forces happening. And that's also like anti-rise. We're at a, we're, we're, yeah, we're at a point like with design now where there's some pretty stable chassis out there. And you can, that when, when I, what that means is that you can make a shock, a really simple shock, and you can valve it to like whatever the person's preference is, and it's probably mm-hmm. going to work really easily. You can set up the spring curve, you know, and it's it's just gonna it's gonna probably click. And it's I've I like that stuff. Those those frames are cool to work with. That's rad. Um, let's do let's do just one or two more. There was an earlier question that I was wondering: Are you how are you with DVO? Like forks, their like performance. Yeah, your your experience with them. I ran 
one I wrote it there was a trance two when the trance two came out it came it had DVO fork and shock and um, I mean when you're a company like DVO and you're competing with Fox and Rock Shocks you're you're making good shit if you're a small company you know it's it's hard to a lot I think is happening you know and there's a lot of a lot of like you're spread thinner maybe than bigger companies are I mean DVO like I'm pretty sure they grew a lot when they started getting some OE accounts and mm-hmm. like so I think their products are cool they have a lot of technology that's awesome they listen to rider input like you know like they provide needs for riders in the product market that has they had that there's a huge demand for mm-hmm. they're cool when i call it's like family That's so cool. i i'm i'm cool with you i love dvo i'm cool with dvo do you uh do you know much about the ott adjustment the uh, off the, the off the top the negative the negative air spring adjustment yeah yeah i think it's a i believe i believe it's a it's either a coil spring or it's like a plate that adjusts the volume of the negative chamber. Well, I love that. I think that's rad. Being able to tune the volume of the negative is something that they've always offered in a lot of their products way before the bigger manufacturers offered it. And I think that on that note, DVO is probably one of those companies that, you know, just like the bigger companies feed off of them sometimes because they, because they maybe have the roots in, and like with with riders as far as like taking their feedback and offering valves that work for right. like absorbing bumps and big hits you know absorbing bumps and doing big uh, big jumps and stuff like that 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 seems to be something that's hard to do with suspension is provide something that absorbs bumps but you can still push into and and, and hit and you know sort of hit something hard with and Right, have it support you. Yeah. So, okay, this one... Actually, there was one question that we didn't address that somebody left us earlier that I think we should address. Um, uh, wait, how do I... I lost you. Where are you at? There's the... Where's the one? that I, I'm trying to not show this one anymore. There it is. Um, somebody asked... I'm sorry if I can't find your name, but somebody asked previously about um bottoming out their fork or their suspension and like how much does that mess up their suspension (laughs) love it um so i mean if you took go ahead well yeah so i mean here's a here's a air spring you know like and if you like if you bottom it out too much too, too close. <laughs> <laughs> if you bottom it out, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> bam. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. it's just like all those bushing ends. I gotta sell this, actually. Just <laughs> um, all those ends, you know, like, that's not, that's not good. And, and two, with the shock, like, there's, you're gonna bust up the bottom out O-rings and then you're gonna need a full rebuild. So, like right. you're just going to cost yourself money and you're going to, if you damage like some of those bearing seal heads, when you're really hitting it hard, 
then you can end up blowing up your shock and like it's that's going to cost you money too and so yeah you want to get that that's why i can't mess up spring curve i can't buy people's shocks like yeah that's not a good business model <laughs> yeah Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great hey i think this is great i think we've covered a whole bunch of information i do appreciate everybody's continuing to put questions in there's just so many there's there's one that um actually do you are they going to be on youtube uh yeah all these the will show up again yeah so i can go there's, to the comments yeah there is one I can go let's, to the comments. Do, let's do one more let's do one more this one is, cool. is kind of interesting. And this one will take us a little bit of time, I think. But we won't take more than f- t- 10 minutes on this. Sounds good? Whatever. It's all good. Ryan, Fetterhart, if you were to build a bike from the ground up, would you build it with really nice suspension and average other parts or frame? Or would you go with cheap suspension, parts, and nice parts? I would probably go with um nicer suspension parts and then like gx level or xt level stuff or, or actually slx level from mm. shimano i could probably get by with um yeah and gx as far as that other stuff and then yeah with like the um suspension components i still haven't like built myself a shock and like ridden on it so like mm. it'd be cool to actually build a little dps shock maybe um Mm -hmm. nothing crazy um or like if i was going light but you know i would go with probably fox and Mm. wheels and rear hub is important to me so that's definitely like the drivetrain's wearable and that you're going to replace those items Mm-hmm. And like the difference in the shifting quality from the mid-level cassettes to the to the um, higher end cassettes is not as negligible. Like yeah. it's not too like I'm I'm over you know, um, and then they 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 last a little bit longer but not too much. Yeah, I I would agree with all that. Like I I, I wonder what I think frame about I would build up. I wonder if what the frame I rode. <laughs> I rode the Sentinel a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's always been a bike that, like, I just can't really push hard enough. Like, it's just like, really, it, it's so stable. Like, meaning it's stable, and like, it's just like, you know, it's 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 it hasn't really punished me for for anything. You know, getting for as far as like getting up on the front of it and really getting aggressive. It's just, uh-huh. it's a good bike. Um. I do like dual links. The switchblade is really fun bike. Kind of wish it had a little bit of a slacker head angle. So maybe a firebird would be cool. Mm. Steven, thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Thanks for showing up. You know what I bet people want to know? Hmm. When are you going to mullet a bike and when are like, like, have you like, I remember, I know I'm like going back into my memory about your experience mm-hmm. on 29s. Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Where are you at with that? You're, you're, you seem to get questions about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I have no problem with 29. I just, I mean, like they just tend, kind of tend to end up up in my, in my rear region, you know, neither regions. Uh, when I, the rear, the rear deep. wheel. 
Yeah. And I, so that's, I would love to do a mulleted bike. Um, and I, you know, like I, I don't get me wrong. I love this nomad. Like I've been having a ton of fun on it. Um, but part of me pulling the trigger on it so fast was just had to do with availability. Um, and, and the, like, I knew I needed to pull the trigger on it. Uh, like, you know, you were part of that. If you like ever wanted to, yeah. If you ever wanted to finish this, yeah, you kind of had some unfinished business almost with like this progression, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so I I talk about 27, five with people Mm -hmm. and you know, it is less weight going up and down when there's a lot of bumps. Yeah. It, it is. When there's, there's <laughs> less mass. Yeah. Less, going true, up and less... down. I mean, so it's like, it's not like it's, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges yeah. somewhat. I mean, I buzz my butt too. Yeah, Really? Buzz my butt too. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is, is I, oh, you mean on the bike or just in general? <laughs> yeah, it's on the bike. But I feel like it, it was like it was like a come to moment where like yeah. we're in a safe spot right now, right? right. <laughs> yeah, I buzz my butt. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, it's like I watch, like you know, Yuka, like Van Girl Yuka. She's on her twenty nine, and like she buzzes her butt sometimes, but she just adjusted her riding, and I, I see that. But I guess like I. I ride with people who are on 29s and I don't really have a problem keeping up with them uphill or downhill. Exactly. Really. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I'm having fun on the 27.5. I think if like, if I had like, you know, if I didn't have to pull the trigger on that nomad so fast, I probably would have like demoed the mega tower and tried it mulleted and done a couple of other things and then be like, okay, what do I really want to do? But like, you know, that thing was available and I wanted it. And like, I knew like I needed to pull the trigger on it. Like now. <laughs> yeah. I wonder it... if the debate will ever end. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I just wonder if like, if, if they're going to start making bikes easily upgradable to, or uh, modifiable to uh, a 29 er uh, a, a mulleted, um, how easy that's going to be in the future or what, but yeah, who knows? That's got to yeah. be, like i yeah i think that's got to be in the sort of down the down the line and and then yeah industrial design wise i always i mean yeah chain line is something that the industry is kind of a little bit weird on still there's mm-hmm. some things that could have yeah like uh, a lot of frames like barely achieve chain line optimal chain line because of clearance issues because you want mm-hmm. short chain stays. So like, how do you get a short chain stay if you're not going to flare that seats or the, the chain stay out for, and then how are you going to have tire clearance too and right. clear a clear a chain ring? Yeah. So, um, one thing BB-92 I always super boost is always like BB 92 super boost is like a wider spindle standard and right. a wider hub standard. Then I'm always like, yeah, that, I don't know. That seems seems ideal but yeah yeah Yeah, i have to say every time i have a conversation with you about this stuff i just i'm just amazed it just like i already appreciate mountain bikes but it just i'm just amazed at like the technology the engineering like all of the stuff that goes in to make these bikes just as badass as they are like right you know it's just crazy to me with like such small tolerances like yeah. The, the, yeah. Anyway. 
I'm finding, I think that I, it's a primal interest. It's, it's pushing technology. It's mm. like we're, as humans, we're into this kind of stuff. And mm. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't privy. I didn't know. I'm becoming aware of this. That mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're into it because strength to weight ratio. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're like, you're just moving a, a human body through rugged terrain, like smoothly <laughs> down a mountain. Yeah. Like that's kind of like, like that's, if you think about it, like, in a, like a universal, mm-hmm. like if you were like a human, like a being on a planet, yeah. that's pretty cool. Like the yeah. way to explore the planet. I just, yeah. I well, and also sometimes I imagine being an alien and coming down and like right? seeing people on mountain bikes and just being like, what the, heck? what is, what? Or like, or what if like, yeah, what if they're like looking at a lot of other technology and then they saw mountain bikes and they're like, oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah. That's a cool. There's there's a cool expression of of yeah. all of the toxic yeah. byproducts yeah. that are produced from that. Right. Like, and then they'll be like, it's somewhat yeah. worthwhile. And that's when they're like, okay, we'll let the species stick around for a little bit longer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. On that note, Brandon, thank you so much for doing this. I know, like, I learned thank a you. lot. I hope I hope everybody that watched has learned a lot. Um, I'll learn too. a lot about the people that listened and uh it'll be really cool to interact with everybody i'm stoked cool. thank you so much so if if you um are watching this after the fact or if we didn't get to your question brandon you said you're maybe going to go in and look at the live chat afterwards and then yeah. uh maybe answer some of them uh sure. i'm not sure how long the it'll take for the live chat sometimes it takes a little bit for the live chat to show up after we finish the broadcast so if it doesn't oh, show cool. up right away there's not a bug it's just like Sometimes it takes a little bit to process. Um, everybody, Brandon, first off, thank you so much. Um, thank you to the Path Bike Shop. And thanks to the Path Bike well. Shop. Yeah. yeah. For for being the location for this and for employing Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For um, if you uh, need anything, that's how I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you and I need to ride again soon. Yeah. We'll make plans. totally. Yeah. Um, All right, crew, thank you so much. I will uh, see you on the other side. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah, have a good night, y'all.